because the aging of the face is multifactorial and uh, it's not only the technical skills that the surgeon has to have in order to achieve the result, is knowing what to do is the most difficult part. As I said, face is also, it's like onion, it has layers. So we need exactly to know what to do to each of these layers, mm-hmm. which one to pull more, which one to pull less, where to cut and how to cut. So it's not only mechanical work and then, you know, cut and stitch together. No, it's, you have to be precise. You have and to know what to do. to the Kill Number podcast. I'm your host, business mentor and personal brand strategist on a mission to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action, do something different and show up as the best person that they aspire to be. Are you one of my five a day? Keep all your messages coming. Let me know on Instagram at Kelly Lundberg Official and let me know what you've been inspired by. Was it something on this episode? Keep them coming. It makes my day and it makes my guest day knowing that it has had such an impact. Thank you in advance for being one of my five a day. If you haven't already, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help secure even more guests to come on the show and it just takes a couple of minutes. Tell me which episode you like and it just draws more attention and more credibility. Today I speak to Dr. Tarek. Now, in this episode, we are discussing all things plastic surgery. We're talking facial rejuvenation. We're discussing uh, body contouring. Um, Dr. Tarek is one of the leading plastic surgeons in facial rejuvenation and he's got a real patient focus and you're going to hear this in this episode when he talks about why he loves actually doing facelifts so much because it's all about the attention to detail regardless of whether it's non-surgical to full surgical he shares his experience of that journey, um, how it started, and his commitment to being at the forefront of his field. And that's really what's earned him a reputation for delivering exceptional outcomes for his clients. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the show, Dr. Tarek. It's great to have you here. We've spoken so many times and I've been to the clinic. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do? Indeed. Thank you very much for inviting me to your show. It's a privilege. Indeed, yeah, we talked many times and we met many, many times before. And I like the environment. About myself, yeah. So my name is Tarek. I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon. I've been in Dubai now for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been doing this for nearly 15 years. And um, yeah, here I am. Yeah. So tell me if you want a little bit more. So I think when you talk about plastic surgery, I think certain things come to people's minds. So what kind of, I mean, your facial rejuvenation and is body contouring. Did I say that right? You, yeah. you, did, you did say that right. Yes. And thank you for uh, just uh, marking the world. It's plastic and reconstructive surgery. This is the name of the, the full name of the speciality. Plastic That's and reconstructive surgery. Correct. And, and one of the uh, things that we're going to uh, speak in depth uh, soon. Yeah. Body and, uh, and face and body is something that we do. So uh, when we say body, it's body contouring. It means reshaping the body, taking it from shape a to shape B mm-hmm. to a better shape, of course, and also the face. Yeah. yeah. So we do faces and we do bodies. So when you say rejuvenation, we're talking like facelifts. When I say rejuvenation, I, th- I mean making the, the, the faces better, either with non-invasive yeah. or invasive procedures. The invasive procedures would be the facelifts, the, the transfer of fat, yeah. Yeah, the periorbital rejuvenation, we call it the upper and lower blepharoplasties, yeah. rhinoplasties, lip lifts ears, 
and yeah, oh. basically the face. And so that's invasive. The non-invasive is the the things that we do at office. It's Botox filler and sometimes some plastic surgeons decide and do threads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You're not a fan of that, so we talked about um, this. I, we did. I'm a fan of a facelift. It, it took me a long journey to to master and learn the facelift surgery. So um, it's uh, for me, uh, thread lift is something that I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. Because I lean towards, you know, cutting people. Yeah. yeah. So let's, so let's <laughs> go back a little bit. How did course. you get into plastic and reconstruction? I mean, that's something you always wanted to do or what, what's the journey of becoming it was not actually. Um, I started my medical school. I wasn't 18 years old. It took me eight years to finish my medical schools okay. after which at the end, I I knew a friend. I mean, he's still my friend. His dad was working here in, in this country in Abu Dhabi. And it was since then it was finish your medical school and come to Abu Dhabi, finish your medical school. And I, I didn't have a clue. I will come to Dubai. So it was always in my mind that it's the Emirates, United yeah. Arab Emirates. And then at the last, at the end of my medical school, I had the opportunity to go to a, uh, a surgery department and to serve my military civil uh, service in the, uh, in the department of surgery. And this is where I liked and I loved surgery. Yeah. yeah. So it, what was it that you liked and so much? One thing led to another. And then here I am. I became a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Why plastic surgery exactly? Because plastic surgery, plastic and reconstructive surgery is a specialty. It's probably the oldest surgical specialty on earth. And it's a huge gray zone. We interact with all other surgeons. So uh, when we have a big wound and we need to co- to close or co- and cover that wound, there's a surgeon who needs to do that. That's a plastic surgeon. So, And plastic surgery actually dated 4,000 years ago. You can f- see it in the, in the Indian... The manuscripts and uh, also in, the, in Egypt manuscripts, people uh, reconstructed noses, burn patient always exists. So they had to, to deal with burn wounds. So this is how the, the plastic surgery was created. So yeah. you have to do eight years training in medical yeah. school and then specialize. And then, and then five years or six years, depends uh, on the country of speciality. That's correct. Ah, so it's a long, it's a long that's process. That's a significant amount. Yeah, that's around maybe 15 years of just studying to become one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but then I, you're, you're people's faces and it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I don't know. I mean, who, 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 how does the whole process, because my mind kind of, it, it boggles the goal, right? You're trained as a, you're trained as a plastic surgeon and reconstructor, and then you go out on your first patient. Yeah. It's not <laughs> precisely like that. And then on top of that comes the aesthetic surgery. Aesthetic surgery is one part of plastic and reconstructive surgery, and it is considered to be the crown of our speciality. It's a completely, if I can name it, a different animal because now you're in private and now you're seeing private people, private patients who probably are not covered by insurance. They pay by cash and they want results. They demand results, and which will be the topic of our podcast today. And then on top of and then you have to learn it by traveling all around the world, meeting people, masters in their aesthetic surgeries, people who master their aesthetic surgeries and learn from them. And you go east and west, north and south, and you practice, 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 practice. And we have workshops as well that we attend yeah. almost yearly. Yeah. And this is how we, we, we learn. We work with other experienced plastic surgeons, mm-hmm. and this is how also we learn. So it's a long, long, long journey. Yeah. So let's go back to, so you came out to Abu Dhabi. So I came basically, I, my intention was to come to the Emirates to yeah. here. And then, and I ended up in Dubai. Uh-huh. Which was a great uh, thing to yeah to experience, yeah. And what so you start? And what was the start of that journey? So I like? started. I started in private private 
private practice around two years. And then shortly I joined uh, a government hospital here in mm-hmm. Dubai, Rashid Hospital, DHA, mm-hmm. Dubai Health Authority. I spent two and a half years almost and then decided to go back again to become a private plastic surgeon. Yeah, yeah. that was 2016, uh-huh. 15, 16. Yeah, and since then I'm in private. And what do you, what what made you go back to private? Was it the type of clients or? So the, I it's a decision that I wanted to to make um, sooner or later. So I'm, I'd rather make, make it sooner than later. Okay. And I had very much good advices from good colleagues that said, like, if you want to do it once in your life, it's better to do it early rather than late. And get that experience. And, and get then that decide. experience. And yeah. And then so decide. that's it's nothing that was pre-planned. It was yeah. just life. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the myths in your industry? Because I think, you know, we, we touched on that slightly when I started about plastic surgery and people have this impression of plastic surgery, yeah. but it's come on so much, you know, yeah. what in the past 10 years and it's about being subtle and, you know, it's not about, oh, it's noticeable. I think that's one of the things that... Ooh, myths a lot and every corner of, let's call it now cosmetic or aesthetic surgery, because it's not the, the wound and the cancer stuff and the, mm. the limb reconstruction and hand surgery and pediatric plastic. It's now the private practice. It's aesthetic surgery, cosmetic surgery. There's a lot of myth. Let's start from the the non-invasive ones like Botox and fillers. So people think that if they do Botox and fillers many years, their faces will freeze and then will never go back to the original face. It's not true. Yeah. You stop doing it, you're going to just age and that's it. Yeah. Another myth around Botox and filler is that, uh, and I hear that every day, almost every day, doctor, can you make us uh, look younger? The answer is no, it's a myth. I can't, but I can delay the aging of the face. And, you know, we, I discuss it almost every day. But that's so, what people come and say. Make yeah. me look so instead, instead of somebody looks 60 at the age of 60, that somebody will look 50 at the age of 60 if they do it now. Yeah. Mm. Other myths and important myth is that aesthetic surgery is only for rich people. Mm. It's not. It's for everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone can afford it, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Another myth, a beautiful myth is that there are no scars. There are big scars. Yeah. And sometimes ugly ones. Okay. Yeah. But, but it's not the end of the world. But that's how you manage it as well. Is there a treatment exactly. that you cream exactly. you can put on? But exactly, exactly. It's not the and it's a um, we are the only maybe plastic surgery or aesthetic surgery specialty doctors that we have to deal with the patient many times before and during the surgery, and that person becomes a friend for the rest of the life. Ah. Yeah. So something happens after 25 years, they will pick up the phone and doc, what's this? <laughs> 25 years ago, but you know, we need to know. So yeah. Other myth is that the recovery periods, people think that, and that's because of the influence of social media, I believe they mm-hmm. see the befores and afters and they, wow, that that's tomorrow. So the surgery was today and the picture is tomorrow. No, it's not true. Often the pictures, the good ones are, I think a year yeah, six apart, months, a year. minimum a year. Yeah. And this is where we, we start and see the, the results after the surgery. So these are some of the of the myths that, that are instant gratification. Yeah, I think that yeah, people go, well, I want this, and yeah. they have to be a little bit more patient when it comes to it. Because I guess when it comes to face or body, it takes time to yeah, settle it takes in. A lot of time. Yes, six months is the minimum, you know, amount of time that it needs yeah. to. Yes, what was your first uh, reconstructive surgery that you ever did? So, um, so in, when you say reconstructive surgery, we uh, during my specialty and training, we used to do a lot of breast reconstruction after breast cancer removal. Mm-hmm. And when these uh, women are cured, completely cured, and then they need a new shape of the breast. So this is when we take 
piece of a skin and muscle yeah. and put it back with the vascular pedicle to it's another place so it will mimic and look like a breast ah. yeah we sometimes take the abdominal muscle but the abdominal mm -hmm. skin we call it the tram flap or the latissimus dorsi flap so you will you said you will have a fitness coach you will maybe mention the the latissimus machine or yeah, the yeah. lat machine yeah, the the lat machi yes, this yeah, is yeah. the same muscle that we transpose to the breast and then we reconstruct the breast. Ah, so so we have two kind of... options. We have many options. These are the most common two. And yeah. that was the one that you, that's, that's what you started. And this is the reconstruction that we started. I also, uh, as part in my uh, as part in, of my training, I was in the burn department mm -hmm. for three years. Yeah, long three years. Yeah, it? so you're dealing with burn patients and you know, how to reconstruct the wounds. Yeah. Because I imagine then working with burns or, or scar tissue, that that's tough compared to that's correct. And this is how the, this is how the training is done. You, you start with tough things and then in the future you can decide to stay there or you can go and do aesthetics like I decided what now was, 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. What was it like when <clears throat> you had that sort of first patient that came in that had significant burns? Did you think, wow, how, how can we deal with this? Or was it, I mean, what, what's that like? Cause I can't imagine. I, I remember it as, as it was yesterday, actually it was uh, after midnight. And they just come. You, you, you never know when um, an accident can happen. And then it was after midnight. The key is that the nurses that works with you are experienced nurses and they work in a burn department. So, and you're a young doctor, a trainee, and they're like, doctor, calm down. Everything is okay. He's burned. He's just, let's A, B, C, D, you know, 10 things that we have to do. And then we do it. And then he's admitted and that person is alive. He's burned. And then the journey of the healing starts. Yeah. So it's an environment that we worked in. And of course, many experienced people work together. So the, the less experienced learn from the more experienced. This mm -hmm. is how it was. Yeah. It's a shock, of course. Like, I can imagine. Uh, where, where was that? It was in Belgrade, in Serbia. Yeah. Uh, it's a clinic and of do you remember department. the person? I don't remember the person. I uh, The environment. Yeah, the but environment. the environment was overwhelming. Yeah. 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 What have been some of your challenges throughout so the past 15, 20 years through building your experience? <laughs> Maybe the marketing people, what have been some of the challenges? So the, the, the greatest challenge for private practice is to establish your private practice, your name, your brand. And there's the, the most difficult thing, in my opinion, is the, the, the doctor-patient relationship. And there's uh, how to manage the expectation of uh, patients. We are not the same. We don't think the same. People think, for me, for me, this is white. For them, might be off-white. And there's slight differences. And then you have to try and understand and to manage the expectation once you think you understand the expectation. That's one challenge. Yeah. But I think even more, a greater challenge is the trust mm. that you need to learn to build with your clientele. How do you do that then? How do you build trust um, with your clients? I think it's a skill. It's nothing that you are born with. I think you just need to sit there, have people and speak, speak, and you have to learn to have to listen. Mm -hmm. I think listening is the key. Yeah. What kind of questions should someone ask if they're looking to have some kind of plastic surgery and they're looking for a surgeon? What questions would you would you get someone to or would you want someone to ask you? So what should they be looking for? Well, you mean a patient of the patient yeah, so comes a patient. in. And... So if someone's watching this and they're like, I really want to get I want to have some surgery. Yeah. What questions should I be asking the plastic surgeon? Every plastic surgery or cosmetic surgery. Yeah. It starts with the first consultation. This is where we meet. And this mm -hmm. is when I start to understand the needs of the 
of that person. So that person, if, if a woman wants breast enlargement, it's easy. I, I want bigger breasts. All right, let's now talk about it. What do you mean by bigger breasts? So for, for somebody, this much is big. For other yeah, people, true. that much is big. So <laughs> we have to. And then we have also the, the physical examination then after, after the talk that, all right, so your, your figure, we could not accommodate that much big implant in each breast because of the limitation of the tissue. And then that's, if that somebody understands, then it's fine. So we are on the same page. If that somebody insists, that's a red flag. And what happens then in that situation? Would you not work with a patient? And if we meet, then yeah, I work with the patient. But if we don't meet, if we don't agree together, I say, I'm sorry, I'm not your surgeon. I, I don't think I can deliver. Uh, so you'll be honest with them. Of course. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to run into troubles. Yeah. Neither I don't want to jeopardize patient safety. Patient safety is number one. So that's, yeah. yeah. So, um, so they, they have the consultation. What other questions should someone be asking or looking for? So yeah. usually people ask for... Uh, Let's give an example. Let's give an example for a body contouring liposuction, for example. That's in almost every day's work. People who ask, come to the consultation, they ask about, the first question is the recovery. How long do I need to recover? And that's around maybe a week to 10 days. It depends on also the amount of the fat needs to be removed. And then how will the recovery, recovery be? Is it a, a rough recovery? Is it going to be a lighter recovery? And what are the steps needed after the surgery? These are the usual questions that I get from the patients. Is it going to be painful? Is it not going to be painful? How what do you are the medication? That? Pain, because pain, what's painful to someone is one well, thing. Usually and... I say, usually I say we have pain management medications that everybody gets. It is annoying and it's not going to be painful. And it's true. It's not going to be painful if that somebody takes the medications on time because okay. we have a set of medications. And sometimes some people, they say, I didn't have pain today. So I skipped my medications <laughs> and then tomorrow I have pain. So don't skip medications. So yeah, these are the usual questions, pain, recovery periods. Now there's a, there's a myth there. Mm -hmm. The, how much, how many kilograms I will lose. So liposuction is not a weight reducing surgery. It's a reshaping surgery. So we just give a shape. Mm, yeah. That's a myth. That's one of the uh, myths that is uh, with, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> the myth about liposuction. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. what's, um, what would be the steps after? So we've got liposuction. What else would they need to consider if they were going to do surgery? So after the surgery, there's a the follow-ups. Mm. Yeah. And there's the visits to the clinic where I am. There's something that we do in, uh, in Body Smart Polyclinic is after the tummy tuck or after the liposuction, after body contouring surgeries and other kinds of surgeries, we offer a negative pressure, pressure massage, LPG massage. This is to enhance the quality of, the, the, to reduce the recovery period and yeah. to enhance the, the vascular, the vasculature of the skin and it's a lymphatic drainage as well. I so love it will, LPG. It will, it will shorten very much the, yeah. uh, the, recovery, the recovery and it will enhance actually my results mm. by taking away all the unwanted effects from the surgery. Yes, mm. indeed. What's your favorite kind of surgery to do? A facelift. Is it? Tell um, me, why, yeah. is, why is a facelift? It's a, I, it took me a, a long time to, to master it, or at least I think I've, I've mastered, mastered it. I went all the way from the US to Australia, following uh, many people that are masters of their facelift surgeries, just to learn from them. So I invested everything I've, I have. And I think the, if I invested in percentage-wise, maybe 80% of everything I invested in facelift. Mm. Yeah. And is it because of the results that you see that they're so different or is it's it the because attention it's to detail? very challenging one? It's ah. the surgery is very challenging on the, on the scale of difficulties. Um, I think a facelift is probably eight or nine 
And is that because of scarring? Is it because of tissue? What what makes it so complex? It's because of the uh, because the aging of the face is multifactorial, and uh, it's not only the technical skills that the surgeon has to have in order to achieve the result. Is knowing what to do is the most difficult part. Uh, it's as I said, face is also it's like onion; it has layers. So we need exactly to know what to do to each of these layers. Mm-hmm. which one to pull more, which one to pull less, where to cut and how to cut. So it's not only mechanical work and then, you know, cut and stitch together. No, it's, you have to be precise. You have and, to know what to do. And do you only know that when, so when you go into the surgery, so obviously you see someone beforehand and you look That's at That's beforehand, yeah. Yeah, but when you're in the surgery, do you try? So uh, prior to the surgery, we have the consultations yeah. many times. And yeah. then we exactly know what layer is lose the most and what to do. Mm, so yeah. you know that before you yes. go in. Yes, and then we just confirm it at the surgery at the table and then we do that Okay. at the table and that's it. And once the surgery is ongoing, when we start working, the swelling overcomes everything. So there's no way that we can know that we did good because it's now swollen. And is that the same? You need but we know that we had to do one, two, three, four, five and we did that yeah. and we assume it's going to be all right. And it's it's going to be all right, yeah. Yeah. So is that another one that takes six months till you actually see the, yes, yes. the final? You can see the actual results after a week or two, but the final results are after six months, always. So when should someone go for a facelift? Like, is it like, wait till you're 60 or 70 or? That was before people waited uh, 50 plus to do their facelifts. Nowadays, I think that even women and men, which is another myth that men don't do plastic surgery, no. I think over 40, 40-ish, they start doing yeah, when would you lips? say would be ideal? Why don't you enjoy your face? I mean, it's young. I'm I'm eligible for a facelift, by the way. If you just look at me, if you have my stretch this, yeah, why not? So I can enjoy my face young for the next 15 years. So what um, happens? So he gets it done. And, and I'm planning one, by the way. Are you? Yeah, so, so then you will do all the research to find... <laughs> Because you can't visit, do your own. Who would do? Who would do yours? Well, many. I have many on my list who can do my facelifts. Of course, yeah. Really. Yeah. So one of them is retired Brian Mendelson from Melbourne, Australia. I don't think I, I would be lucky enough to have him yeah. operate my face. Yeah, because just I think he stops doing surgery. Yeah. I don't think I know. Yeah. But is that the whole thing that we look in the mirror? I think especially with TV, like I I notice <clears> it as well, and I go, well, if it just if I just did that, then things would look a lot better, and it just drops down. But is that that's just age, yeah. I guess, and tighten it up here. This is where it starts, just here. Yeah. That's and that's another myth. It's like the short scar versus the long scar. It's just, you know, many people will say surgeons like, yeah, it's a very short scars, blah, 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 plastic surgery, facelift. It's not. So for only this, we have to do a big scar. Yeah. yeah. As in like one right down the front? As in, in front of the ear yeah. and probably a little bit behind the ear. Uh, Especially so, when we want to tackle the neck as well, because, you know, when you do the face, I mean, it's like the neck is here. Duh, do the neck as well. You're yeah, a plastic so all surgeon. of that comes up. So it's up. everything, yeah. And aging of the face is around here. Yeah. Ah. And then, what, so you do the lift and then you also do a fat loss transfer, is that right? And then because we lose volume, as mm. I said, it's multifactorial. So other thing happens is that the bone, the maxillary bone in, uh, in you know, homo sapiens, it shrinks. So when something shrinks, we lose the volume. We need to replace the volume loss. This is when we can do many other options. Fat is one and the most used option. So we take fat from places, we re, you know refine the fat, process it, and inject it in the places that we need to. 
Mm. Yeah. But we can do right. implants as well. We have cheek implants, silicone implants. Yeah. I don't do those. Those I do fat. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll do it all around. So, so when you do a facelift, you're just doing this or you're always- almost always we do the fat grafting. Yeah. Almost always we do the periorbital rejuvenation because, you know, eyes are your windows to the soul. So if you're doing a facelift and you have a little bit extra skin on your upper lid, so do that as well. And then when you pull everything up, you have buckering of the lower eyelids. Yeah, so yeah. let's do that as well. So it's. Oh, so it's just not a yeah. case of, hey, cutting in here and pulling yeah, yeah. it up. There's many other things yeah. to think about. It's so. it's done on the initial consultation. We show the patient, so I'll just pull your skin like this. And then you can see there's a buckering here. There's excess skin. So let's remove that as well. And hey, we're doing also your lower eyelid and facelift. Mm, let's do the upper face, you know, upper eyelid as well. And then your brow are a little bit down. So why don't you think to just, we're doing everything together. So it's and a brow it's lift what? and it's a full work. So, so I was quite curious because you mentioned, oh, fifth, after 15 years, do you need to get it redone or what happens? You have it and you, so let's just say you have it when you're 50 and then what you have to go again when you're 65 or 70 or how does it Definitely. Work? Yes. Yes. For well, two reasons. First of all, we live on earth. Gravity brings everything down and it will remain that way, I think. And the second thing is that we use our muscles and we will keep on using them. These are the muscles of uh, mimic muscles. So as long as you use your muscle, they will stretch and relax and stretch and relax. And then when they do so, they stretch with themselves some ligaments that they sag. Mm. And when they sag, this is when it needs to be redone again. 10, 15 years, sometimes 20. And then is it as... Is it the same thing as an, is it as evasive or is it more just kind of touch-ups or? It's not, it's no, it's from the beginning. It's oh, it is. everything. Yeah. But let's say for, if somebody has his facelift and everything done by the age of 41, two, three, four, five, that somebody will have it redone at the age of 70. Many decide not to do anything at the age of 70. Mm. They just enjoy their lives. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. we're here. But I know examples of women or men who did it, redid it actually yeah. at the age of 65, 70. Yeah. And have you done the same person after 15? Never, I have never done yeah. the same. I'd be curious yeah. to go in and see what your mm. work was like and then, you yeah. know, where you But are I've now. done people who did uh, facelifts with other surgeons okay. over the past two, three years and they were not satisfied. And then a touch-up needs to be done. It's a very difficult surgery. So the, the tertiary, the secondary and tertiary facelifts are difficult because of the scarring that forms mm-hmm. and it bleeds like hell. And then the three hours surgery... It's six hours now because it needs to be done meticulously and carefully. So it takes longer time. Yeah. So yeah. normally it's three hours. Facelift? In my hand, it's around four hours. Yes. Okay. I, I'm a slow surgeon. I take my time. I Attention enjoy working. I, yeah. Yeah. And then, but then. I check. I double check. I, sometimes I triple check and then we, we close. Amazing. Yeah. So how have you been building your brand and, and, you know, your name? What have been some of the good strategies that have worked with you? I imagine word of mouth when it comes to. Word of mouth is the best, of course. Yeah. One of the patient trusts is the second one. So you build trust. Mm-hmm. The patient, you also learn how to manage the expectations. Often you're not successful. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that, that are the things that you need to, to do in order to you know, build a strong brand. Yeah. What, what are some of the things? So you said that you go and learn from other surgeons. You travel a lot. Like, What's next for for you in terms of what you're doing? Is it more of the learning from others or is it a particular surgery that we don't have here yet or technique? Well, uh, Dubai is a metropolitan, so we have everything here, by the way. And it's uh, probably top five plastic aesthetic surgery countries in the world. Being the US, probably the first and then the Latin America 
and South Korea and then us here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, I think we're stronger than Europe in aesthetic surgery, that we have a lot of things happening almost every day. What is the next thing that, um, yeah, I think that if somebody needs to learn more, that somebody needs to do that particular surgery over and over again. And if that surgeon is lucky and have somebody uh, senior to him to mm-hmm. work with, that would be it. Yeah. Workshops as well. So we often uh, practice a cadaver workshop, we call it. Okay. What well, on real people? On cadavers. Oh, so these are the dead bodies that are, it's a, oh. these are science institutes that I just came back from, uh, from Amsterdam last year, uh, from um, uh, Ghent this year in, uh, in Brussels. Also, I did some cadaver workshop for three days with varieties of techniques on, uh, on facelifts. Yeah. So, so just trying to even get my head around that. So what's it like versus someone who's dead and alive like the the tissue must be different the tissue is it's a fresh cadaver so that person is uh, he passed away like a day prior to the ah, workshop okay. so, it's so it's still, still considered to be fresh it's a little bit more difficult because still the tissues are not alive and ah. but we we discuss the techniques and we do so it's usually one uh, two surgeons on one cadaver and then we have a full room of uh, it's an institute of 38 surgeons so each surgeon one dead body, and then we and we do it in steps. It's and it's usually uh, very tiresome. It's three days, ten hours per day, and wow. and we let's do this now one two three, and then we do it, and then the lead surgeon explains what needs to be done. Yeah, we had big names. It's ISAPS actually, International Plastic Surgery Society. They did uh, organize it now in uh, in Brussels. I never, I, yeah. I, I never would have. This it is, makes sense. Though. Yeah, this is how we learn. Yeah. yeah. This is how we learn. So I have a couple of questions for you. I like a little bit of a quick fire. Mm. These are questions that are storytelling. I do not know. So you can pick the card and I don't know what's coming up. So they're not difficult. No, they're they're story conversations. Go for it. Esther Perel, you can pick one. And um, I love, I was gifted this at Christmas time and it just evokes really nice conversations. So what's your question? Oh, is that hard? No, is this my wife? No, ask you to ask me. I spent too much money on. I love it. What do you spend too much money on? Actually, I think I don't spend too much money on. I think on sports, I have my like monthly fees for my uh, CrossFit uh, box, and I, I love to buy these kind of gadgets. And what was the last gadget you bought? What's the last gadget? I will tell you if you promise not to laugh. Okay. A Dutch oven. A Dutch oven. So that's a small, uh, like a bowl that you can bake your bread in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so how much And I've bread? used it only once. It's 250 <laughs> dirham and used only once. And are you going to use it again or is that a... That's a good question. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I look forward to trying some On gadgets. Things. So my answer is on gadgets. I love to buy gadgets. Oh, yeah. What's the best gadget you've ever bought? The best one I've ever get was a laser leveler. A laser level up for like um yeah, you know, and yeah. yeah. So um when we when we do preoperative markings on on patients, so because by the way, we are probably the only surgeons who ha- who has to who have to do one side, sorry, and then we have to do another side. So we have both sides to be equal. Yeah. And when we mark our patients or the preoperative markings, we need to be as equal as we can. And then I use the leveler of the architect. So there's a laser leveler, so I see that. My both lines are equal. Mm. Yeah. And is so, that not something that many 
plastic or vegan? No, I think it's now nowadays everyone more uses rare. that. Yeah, but that was the last the last uh, uh, gadget I, I have. I yeah. love it. Okay, one more. This is good fun. <laughs> I hope there's a question about my science project like this one. Oh, I lose all willpower when it comes to. You lose all willpower when it comes to. I have an example. <laughs> I can give you an example. I'm, uh, I've, uh, and it has to do something with my with my science project. So I was planning to, when I plan something and it doesn't go according to my plan, this is when I lose all my willpower. Uh. And the example is that I was, um, and I did it actually. I was planning to build a terrarium for Luna. Luna is two years, five months, and uh, you you need to you know have those stones, then the, the charcoal, then the soil, and then you plant your plants, and then it's all in a jar, and you oh, cover wow. the jar, and it's an ecosystem. And I've got everything like set and let's go. And like, Luna, it's a science project. Would you like to do it with me? I want to watch TV. And I was like, She's two and a half. <laughs> yeah. Is this something that you wanted to do? Yeah. <laughs> so I lost all my willpower. So when something goes, you know, or, or something doesn't go according to my planning, I lose all my willpower. Oh. Yeah. I think that, uh, does that answer yeah, your question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is no right or wrong. It's a yeah. little bit of fun. How can people find out about you? So if they wanted to have a consultation, find mm. out about Reconstructive or any of the things that we talked about today, where would they find you? So they will find me at Body Smart Polyclinic in La Mer Beach. They mm-hmm. can just, you know, Google Body Smart and they will, I'm on the front page. Perfect. Yes. Are you There's on Instagram? A number. I'm on their Instagram. I have my own Instagram as well. What's your own Instagram? Yeah, so your favorite plastic surgery procedure. Is that, is that your yeah. Instagram handle? That's the full name. Yeah. Is it really? It's a long name. I'm planning to make it shorter. Yeah, but that's that's it for that's now. That's what you're under. Yeah. Very and uh, body smart. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for giving up your time, taking time away from the clinic and the surgery to answer some questions for thank us you, today. Thank, thank you, Dr. Thank Dr. you very much. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website, Brand New Creators, designed by our in-house team. And we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time. Bye.